I say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. Myself, Spencer Shea, D-Boy is on his way. That's a bar. Um... <laughs> He's stuck. He's in See, traffic he just right comes now. Out like rap sometimes. Yeah, man. man. You know, I mean, when when you when you got rhythm, sometimes the rhythmic bars take I, place, even if it's on a podcast like Wake Up and Win. Um, but you know, things things go the way that they go. I, I I I say this: a lot of bars get spat unintentionally when you're when I'm broadcasting, games. calling yeah. games. A lot of them to the point where now I just call it out. Do just what I did right now. I'll, yeah. Be commentating, and I'll say something that rhymes, and it's super unintentional, but I'll catch it, and I'll just say, that's a bar, which is kind of cool, because I'm just kind of going to make it a part of my my swag. Whenever I say something that rhymes on the call, that's a bar. Yeah, It's kind of happened naturally. Don't steal my sauce, y'all, who's, whoever's out there listening no, and wants was, to be a live in-game broadcaster one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm I. you said that to me when we did uh, – the last slate of games in Pacific, you're like, oh man, you like, are you a rapper now? I think you might have just yeah, said yeah, that. yeah. I was like, yeah, that's just how it comes out sometimes. <laughs> For Even, sure. Although I was a rapper, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell them what your rap name was. Uh, my, my rap, I'm just Spliff, man. That's but weren't you Spitter Spliff? No, nah, sp- no, no, no. Are we? Are we put that? We yeah, added yeah, the spitter part. <laughs> like I came up with that. shit. Why would I come up with that for a rap, viable rap? We added that part. The spitter split part. Okay. Yeah, man. That's what I walked around. No, no, no. Call me spitter split. <laughs> you you spliff and you like that's, to spit. It, abs- it makes a little bit of sense. That's it's, absurd. It's not that no, corny. No, but what I was gonna say is, is that I was like, oh yeah, you know, I think it's a lot easier as a play-by-play guy to be able to find like a real sense of like this is my brand or this is my like trademark sound or my way of doing things it's a lot more limiting as a color guy and then i started thinking about mark jackson i'm like man mama there goes that man has got to be the best like tagline that you can have as like a color analyst it's so good yeah and i'm like damn (laughs) i'm like and i'm thinking about you and i was like you know that's something that like you gotta take the L out of lover, and that's I gotta nice. take the L out of lover. That's nice, but yeah. see, I feel like the way you use it is good because you put it at like big time, like intense, dramatic moments of right. games. You don't just do that on like a 10, 15 point win. Anyway, right? Right? Exactly. Anyway, something to think about, man. Something. To well, think now about. I mean, with, with Portland State in particular, we were just talking about that on Justin's show, and obviously we'll get into win shares here in a second. <coughs> Excuse me, here in a second. Um, but one win share in particular that uh, I want to discuss is that I'm on Justin Meyer's show every Tuesday morning on Rip City Radio 620, Rip City Mornings, hosted by Justin Myers, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., live in studio with them. And so just check it out. It's live on YouTube now. Obviously, you can listen to it in your car or wherever else you got radio. And, uh, yeah, just check it out anytime that you get a chance to do so. We have a good time. Reminds you of the old days when Justin and I had the Justin and Devon show over at 750 the game. But, <clears throat> anywho, with that in particular, like, we were talking about the Portland State dramatics. And last week when we had Jace Coburn here on the podcast, I told him, like, Portland State, in my opinion, is like the most clutch team in all of the country in college basketball if you consider how many buzzer beaters and game winners that they've had in the last couple of seasons and so when I was talking to Justin about it he's like you even got a tagline for it now with take the L out of lover and yes I used it there a few times now I've used it at a Pacific buzzer beater and even it doesn't even particularly have to be a buzzer beater like you said no it just has to be an intense game where I I used it once with the Rip City remix already when they won by three you know what I'm saying like so it's just got to be like an intense game and and it's certainly become a line that like I'm at the I'm DJing at the club the other day and the homie comes up to me as I'm DJing to shake my hand and say what's up and he says take the L out of lover this game is over like it's just one of those things yeah, man you know. start to have fun and figure it out you know i got i got some lines i got some lines i got uh i got rhythm my rhythm and blues line uh, that was a hard i got call, my rhythm man. and blues line yeah <laughs> like see, say i'm peeling through tape see and i'm yeah. just like okay and you'll you know catch it and you'll yeah, start to catch to, it that's when you learn like 
oh, that actually was a line that I can keep is when you actually go back. Because people don't know, like I said, a lot of what you say is unintentional. A lot of the time you're just doing you and you're just on the call and you're so in the moment and things are happening in real time in such a way that like you got to actually go back and listen to the tape and be like, oh, my gosh, that was a great call right there. But, uh, yeah, my rhythm and blues line has certainly became one. And, again, came out of thin air. Um, I got my shubity bop, watch your head top. That's become another one. That's Any so fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> I remember anytime I get, somebody gets dunked no, on, and I'm, they get <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my haircut. And like I messed with that, whatever last week that was. And I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm rewatching the game, and my hair, my hairdresser hear that, and we both just start cracking up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So I was like, hey, that's, that's just how it comes out sometimes. It's how it comes out sometimes. So, you know, and I, I said that also when when they announced Gareth and I as the broadcast crew for the Rip City Remix this year, they had us do a segment on Fox 12 where the games also air. And um, they were like, you know, what can the fans and the listeners and the people that are tuning in expect from you? And I'm like, I'm going to give you some taglines and some notable quotables. That's just a part of who I've become. You know what I'm saying? And it comes relatively easy because it's not something that I like think about going into a game. It just happens during a game and either just the reaction in that moment makes you remember that call or as you mentioned, you go back and you rewatch the film and you listen to yourself on the call and you critique yourself or you give yourself a pat on the back and say, yo, that was kind of hard. And then you cut that film and then you put it together. And in a reel and then you and you, yeah. then you shoot it out and then you might get a job as the broadcast analyst for the Rip City Remix. I mean, that's kind of how it went for me. <laughs> like, that's just how the game goes. You know what I'm saying? So just keep putting them up. Sometimes you'll sound corny. Sometimes you'll... Sound genius and uh, just taking a run with it from there. But um, a couple more wins shares as the Rip City Remix are back at home this weekend. Tonight, Thursday, December 7th, the Rip City Remix will be tipping off against the Stockton Kings, obviously. We're the Portland Trailblazers G League affiliate, and they are the Sacramento Kings G League affiliate. The game will tip off at 6 p.m., a little bit of a wrinkle in the options, for the better, by the way, the options that you are able to tune in and watch the game. As you know, locally, we do have a TV deal with Fox 12, as I just mentioned. So if you're here local and you got Fox 12 Plus here in Oregon, you can absolutely tune in and watch us there. You can also go to NBAGLeague.com. Every G League game is broadcasted on GLeague.com as well. But... For Thursday's game in particular, and we've got other ones that'll come up later with Tubi and other platforms as well. But this Thursday's game, tonight's game, will be on ESPN Plus. So if you do have the ESPN Plus app, you can tune in and hear Gareth and I call some good G League basketball. It's a very, very good league, I'm telling you. Spencer, you've been attending a lot of those games. I've obviously yeah, been calling say, them. I personally will be at the game. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. It's it's fun but. to be at. If you're in Portland, you have no excuse not to be at those games. It's affordable. It's very high-quality basketball. <laughs> like, very high-quality basketball. Um, and it's just something dope and new that we have here in the city that why not invest in it, especially being that the investment is not uh, something that majority can't afford. And so, um, yeah, and if it's that bad to where you really can't afford it, reach out to me. I'll try to make some work for you. Um, cause I want you to be there and to support the G league team as well. And again, it's a really, really good team. It's a really, really good league. Also, we've got Friday, a couple of gigs, star pizza, 6 PM to 9 PM strike it straight from over there and head over to Lulu 10 PM to late. So you can pull up to any one of those gigs Friday night. It will be a good time. And then Saturday, we've got rip city remix tipping off at 3 PM. All home games are at the child center. You can pull up there. That's that University of Portland over in North Portland. Um, that game will not be on ESPN Plus, but you can still watch it on GLeague.com or you can watch it on Fox 12 Plus. Or again, you can pull up to the game. And then Saturday night at 9 p.m., I will be at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge, which, by the way, I might as well start putting in there weekly um, for these win shares up until it comes around. I will be DJing New Year's Eve at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge as well. 
I DJed there last year for New Year's Eve, and it was an absolute hit. Um, we definitely hit capacity. It's a really good time. It's, I think, the best venue for a New Year's Eve event in the entire city in terms of aesthetic and being able to dress to your best, dress to the nines, you know, and, and be able to just be fly, get your best picture off, get your get your partying off as well, obviously, as we ring in the new year, dance the night away, listen to some phenomenal music that'll be curated by me. Um, but if you want your tickets, go to the Export Instagram and... They've been promoting it all over the export Instagram. You'll easily be able to I'll find this. how to purchase tickets. I'll say this. Show up having already been sipped something and just come mm. to dance. If you know, you know, because you know. That's all I'll say. Just come up, come already on your level. Well, the thing tickets. is, the thing is Enjoy also, your champagne though. champagne that they're going to pass around. For sure. And listen to the music. That's what I for would sure. say. For sure. But also, a little bit of a perk to it is it's at the Porter Hotel. The rooftop bar is located at the Porter Hotel. So obviously we encourage everybody to be safe that night, catch an Uber, hire a driver, do right. whatever you got to do. But in our case, you can get a package deal where you can get a ticket and a hotel room and be able to stay the night at the, at the Porter Hotel instead of having to leave and try to drive and get home all messed up and drunk or whatever the case may be. So it's a very safe option and it'll allow you to not only party and have a good time, but give you a stay without having to leave once the party's over. I've already heard of a group, I'm going to just put it out there, of a party of 40 that has already told me, hey, we got a group of 40 coming. We'll all be obviously, you know, celebrating and bringing in the new year on the rooftop, but we all will be staying at the Porter Hotel that night anyway. So you might want to hop on it now. That's why I'm telling you some weeks in advance, and I'll keep telling you week to week until we decide we don't want to podcast for the rest of the year. But Which that's we will. <laughs> It's, it's going to happen. It's already coming. It's coming. It's coming. We're obviously not far away from that, but – um. Yeah, get your tickets, man. It'll be a vibe. It'll be a vibe. I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah, I'm for gonna sure. We're we going to have a good time on New Year's Eve to ring in 2024. <laughs> um, In-season tournament. Let's talk about it. I, I have been enjoying it a lot. I think like most people, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we weren't sure about it because it's like, what does it really matter? Yeah. To see a competitive basketball in December – yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. Where these guys are putting on shows. I mean, you said that you did. You only saw bits and pieces, but I watched KD and LeBron go at it last night. Yeah, yeah. That, I hate that I, and, I missed it, but and, I, I don't because I was getting money. But anywho, for carry sure. on. And, no, absolutely. And, <laughs> but that like we're not going to get. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to get that again. That playoff series last year, we were like, oh, this might be the last time. It's like, man, that's a just an extra treat for basketball fans to be able to see the way Tyrese Halliburton can. You yeah, know, what I'm like he's cold. He's, he's cold. He's something. He's something. And uh, but I wanted to say, like, you know, what the value of the game is is a lot of the narrative has been, well, the where the money goes. You know what I mean? Like where the money goes to to the players and stuff. And I think that's great. But I also think that there's more to that that you could make it. I mean, it can become just as like a, you know, um, a headline and as like a as like a prestigious sort of deal to be yeah. able to achieve. Like, Say more. Well, I mean, you could just make it be valuable. And I yeah. think that there's a lot of room for negotiation in terms of like, well, what kind of like league incentives does that give you? Does that give you as a, you know, as a, maybe they explain the, expand the plan. And that's like sort of like a wild card of sorts where it's like, you get a yeah. shot to be able to go challenge somebody for a spot that maybe you didn't hit because early on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all just throwing shit against the wall. But I'm just saying that I hope that the NBA takes a look at this. Now, now all this is being said without having seen what it's going to look like in Vegas, yeah. which I think is going to be a big part of this. For sure. I think actually, and I kind of just thought of this on the fly as you were kind of mentioning what that could mean. And I thought Dame said something really profound a couple of weeks ago when he talked about how, you know, you obviously – win the in-season cup and everybody wins a $500,000 bonus, essentially. And uh, I thought Dame said something really profound where he was like, you know, while me or Giannis, $500,000 might not be like the biggest thing in the world for us because we've made so much money in this league, 
majority of the guys in this league, $500,000 is an absolute game changer for them. So she, so we should want to compete for that alone to be able to see guys that are our teammates and who we have these brotherhoods with to be able to see their lives change financially, financially the way that some of our lives change financially that may be getting a pretty lucrative bag in the NBA. And I thought that was really profound of him to say. But also on top of that, it makes me think because I've already saw Dame say something profound such as that. I saw Jose Alvarado oh, say that, about to bring that he's going to invest that money into his kids. Yep. But another thing that I think is huge from it, say you are somebody like a Damian Lillard or you are somebody like a Giannis or a LeBron, people who are very wealthy and have chances at winning this $500,000 bonus, they can start to you know, give those proceeds to charitable causes. Obviously, it's the holiday season right now, so you can certainly help out so many youth to be able to get, you know, toy drives or whatever the case may be um, to the homeless, obviously. You can support the homeless during this season. I think this can become as much as a game changer for individual players who might not particularly have the most lucrative contracts in the NBA that have them set for life financially, this could actually be something that you can really turn into more of a charitable cause if players so choose or whatever it is that they want to potentially donate those funds and proceeds to. So I actually think in a way this can become a really big deal because I do think you're going to get that. If I'm a guy like LeBron and I don't particularly need $500,000, let me go ahead and put that in the LeBron James Foundation. Or it could be your own foundation. I remember a while back I always talked to Jules Boykoff about this, but he interviewed years ago Marcus Camby with – the when he was with the Portland Trailblazers and he interviewed him in Street Roots Legend and they the and they talked about and Camby he uh, Jules was interviewing Camby and talking to him about his foundation and Camby basically said something to the extent of like ninety five percent of athletes in professional sports have a foundation that they own or a part of whatever the case may be like they have their own nonprofits and so to really think about and consider that during this time of the year I mean hey let's just be honest if you know a little bit about finances it's the end of the year as well to be able to get you know those kind of donations off you know at the end of the tax year there's breaks that comes with that too I mean there's so many ways that we can go about it unconnected to the NBA such as something like that but more so connected I think you will get a lot of cool storylines and moments similar to what Jose Alvarado said about, you know, being able to invest that into his children or, you know, somebody like Dame said, referring to, you know, a young player on his team that could be the very same player that he's going to need later on down the season to help him win the championship. Why not? I try to help him win 500,000 early on in the season. So he's more incentivized to try to help me and my legacy that may not, particularly be as pressed to win $500,000 to be able to go out and get that championship. Um, but yeah, I just think this actually is starting to pan out to have been a really good idea based on the competition that we're seeing um, and based on what I think it can ultimately breed in terms of what's going to actually start happening with these funds once we determine who an actual winner is in this tournament. I hate I missed the games last night, though. They look crazy. I was DJing a, a holiday party, company party. So, um, of course, I saw the highlights and all those things, but it looked like mm -hmm. Brown and KD had another one for the ages. Yeah, and, but I'll say this. I think the way that the Pelicans looked. Yeah, they were good. I, I, like, I watched a lot oh, of that In game. a single elimination game. I watched a lot of that game. I think that they could really have – the Lakers lunch if they would like the Pelican. I mean, we're seeing them healthy. We're seeing them healthy. You know and what I'm CJ, saying? CJ's like CJ's back. That's CJ's back. So you got CJ back. It, Ingram's there. Zion's so. there. We have very limited. We have had very limited opportunities to be able to see all of those three guys on the floor together since CJ has become a Pelican. Either Zion ain't playing. CJ obviously was out for majority of this season to start off with the lung issue. Glad that that's taken care of and he's back on the floor. But a healthy Pelicans team is really, really good. Facts. And people fail to realize they got scoring on all levels. CJ from the point guard spot, 
Then you got Brandon Ingram. He, he got the mini know, game. Yeah, yeah. What's he, up, D boy? Yeah, yeah. For those who are wondering, well, who's this yeah, voice bro. that came in? I yeah. told y'all he was in traffic. But he just he just slid traffic. right in there though. But, but it's real. All stages. I'm yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah, they really do. So it's like all star caliber players on. Yeah, all Zion's level. gonna get it in the paint around the basket. Bi can get you in that 15 to 17 foot area. Exactly. Cj can get you with the long ball and in that 15 to 17 foot area. And obviously, Bi can shoot it from deep as well. Well, but they are they are cold it's together, good, and it's good for them because they like. I think the roles are more firmly established for them now. It's like okay, no more. Yeah. It's Zion, and everyone else falls in line. But and you when said they it play best. like that, you said it best though. That's crazy. what makes them hard to beat in a single elimination yes. game. You know, yes. exactly. No, no, no. That's no, a good. Real. That's a good point though. Because yeah. in a series, it's too discombobulated. I think they're 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 too disjointed as a team. But in a single elimination. They can With get Zion. you. They can get you. I want to see so Zion. So y'all got the Pelicans winning now that we're here? No, no, I I have to go with LeBron, but just to see him and Zion just fucking. I'm going clash. with Damon Giannis. Oh, oh, oh for I the thought whole you meant no the yeah. end season. I mean, they play it's the semifinals. Right, be, we thought you just meant the Pelicans the versus. No, 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 no. I'm going with the. Let's just predict who's going to win the end season tournament at this point. Uh, yeah. The Bucks. I'm going I with the, the Bucks, Bucks too because because there's <laughs> no because no and this is but this is what I'm saying this is why it's so tight the this is what I like about it because there's a lot of these little unchecked sort of like uh, tropes in the NBA that people kind of just say yeah like, oh Dame's the most clutch whatever in a single limit if you need one game it's that guy and it's like the NC determines like okay. You have one game now. Yeah. So go and Dame is he got busy. The coldest. He got in the busy. Clutch. Him and Giannis both so got busy. They, will, they beat I, the skunk out of <laughs> New York Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Facts. it was it was a beatdown to be sure, but <laughs> but uh, that that's still it's that's tough on your on your mental and on your body when you're like because it's kind of like a little mini turn. You know what I mean? It's a little mini playoffs right in December. Well, so I think we'll also see how they can hold. I think also it's like. All eyes are on those games. Like, early in the season, you're usually watching the teams you're a fan of. Right. Fact. And then later, you'll get into, obviously, you know, you got your national televised games that are watched more. But, like, early on in the season, like, you're watching the teams that you're a local fan of because everybody has hope right now because nobody has enough wins and losses for you to give up on your team and be like, all right, better luck next year. Now I'm going to actually just watch the best basketball than be a fan of my team and watch us to lose over and over and over again. But with this tournament, it's like all eyes are on these dudes this week, man. And before Christmas, we've never really had that outside of maybe like opening night. Everybody tunes in opening night for the yep. excitement of the game. Yep. But then after that, it's like, okay, it's still football, football, football. All right, Christmas Day, we get a boom. And then after that, you know, once the Super Bowl is kind of over with, we get excited about basketball again through the summer, through early summer, essentially, or, or a late late spring, if you will. But, um, yeah, no, nah, man, I, I think it's panned out to be a really dope thing so far. Yeah, if his last point holds true, I think that's favoring the Lakers, though, because people don't credit enough how good a job the Lakers did at becoming deep. And if they are tired and extra exuberant and all this yeah. stuff, it's like I truly think out of the last four teams left, the Lakers are the deepest. And we hear the narrative about – Oh, AD goes MIA. He had 20 last night in the first half and finished with 27, I think. But look who came in clutch. The bench player, Austin Reeves. And he had like 15 or 12 or something that in a quarter. Big time you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. and it's it was, still playing within the game. People yeah, also exactly. don't realize that AD. They had one of the best offseasons. You know what I mean? You and know, it's like AD, AD had six big. rebounds in the first half and he finished with 15. So that it's like big. he still was playing. He had like three offensive rebounds in one possession. So it's like people uh, don't against, realize Bando, uh, Rui, they are deep. Yeah, against New Orleans, <laughs> they they got enough to get it done for sure. But Milwaukee, I think that Anthony Davis gets he gets stretched too but, thin. But uh, even them after Dame and Giannis, I mean Middleton too. Don't don't let me take away from Middleton. But after them three, you got Brooke. But they yeah, got but the size over see, there to the match size. up. That's the thing. That's, that's the why thing. I picked Milwaukee. Bobby Portis. They got but, yeah. They got Brooke, Giannis. Bobby, those take, are big dudes. When you man. start saying Bobby Portis <laughs> and Pat Connaughton, I'll take that. <laughs> You I'm talking I'm about matchups no, more I'm, so. I, I, no, I'm yeah. just talking about the but size. They matchups. They got a matchup. Yeah, yeah, they got a squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah matchup. Yeah. But and I also think that's best case scenario. If it's 
the Lakers versus the Bucks in the championship of the in-season tournament. Facts. You got the biggest name in all of basketball in LeBron James, the biggest franchise in the Los Angeles Lakers, and then you have somewhat of like the biggest storyline coming in, into this yes. season, which was Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. It's all panning out to be yeah. great. It's great. You and got a young. Well, if, if you're a Phoenix Sun fan, you're going to say that it's rigged for the Lakers to get there after that boo boo call with it because that, that was not so... correct. Yeah, it, yeah, that it was, was yeah, not it was a, a correct wild. call. It was a little wild. It was but, a little but you wild know what? Call. LeBron's so good, and he, he's been doing yeah, this shit for cold. so long. He's cold. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He's he goes, cold. "Oh, I know that if I just get his attention he before that, the, he's not going to see it." He was looking at him doing. It and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what he's wow. about to do because yeah. you see the way he walked away from the inbounds play. He just kind of walks away. He does that thing where he always wipes his jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like, and he just has his eyes on the ref <laughs> and he kind of positions his body right to where it's like, as soon as that starts getting weird, he could time out yeah. and he got him. I'm like, man, this guy <laughs> is very huh? good. Yeah, yeah, he's cold. <laughs> this guy is very good, man. He's cold. He's cold. But now nah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Like I said, I'm, I'm picking the bucks to get it done. But it's been great so far. Even down to like. You know, some people could call them corny, but like the courts, I think, I you know what I mean? I like it's, the courts. I like, I like the unis. I like I the like courts. I like it all. It's and the reason tight. why the is, courts it's, are whack. It, what it is, is it's an experience, especially if you attend a play-in yeah, game. In or the a, game, it's great. In-season sure playoff game. awesome. But on TV, it looks crappy, and it makes your eyes do a weird thing. And sometimes, like, it reflects weird onto the players. Go get them checked, just... player. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, made me look woozy. Them check. I've been cool watching the car. Ain't been no bad reflection for me watching That's them. What I'm here for. That's all. That's all I'm here for. You might need some. You might need some spectacles, man. I mean, fucking. Try here, man. Come on now. Yeah, it's been dope. Oh, the uniforms, just the, like I said, the, the overall just experience that is given players, fans, like you know the the exclusivity of even the uniforms and the floors, like that. That's dope to be able to be a part of that history, especially in its first year of having. They could do tournament. something like that and have it be way cooler, like the like the Lakers. It's, it's the first that, year. That's a bad design. It's year one. But that's just a simply a bad design. That I mean, I'm the, not gonna get hung I, I up hear on you. I hear. Yeah, it's, it's not like, all. It's, it's year you one. Wouldn't, you wouldn't make that shirt. That Lakers with the Los Angeles going with, up with the there. arch. You it was. Do that. It, I told Alexis last night. It was. It was. It was that's asymmetrical. Not cool, or not that's the arch. That yeah. Doesn't look yeah. good, dude. It yeah. looked whack. Yeah. But but whack. you can get better. It's year one of it. You can get better at all of those things. But I don't think you should take away those elements. Just for make them look sure, better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they take clean them up. Kind of input for sure. You know, running for with sure. what they think is right. Definitely. Um. To transition out of that, we do got to get into <laughs> a little bit more of a somber topic here. As. Uh, Last week, we came on to the podcast. It was just me interviewed Jace Coburn. Uh, it was after that thriller of a game, the day after that thriller of a game, where Portland and Portland State played a phenomenal rivalry game, great atmosphere. Um, but just prior to me doing that interview with Coburn, I had gotten word of, of a good friend of ours here on this podcast, Ryan Rollins, who... Many of you may not know who I'm talking about, but um, many of you may know his restaurant that is PDX Sliders that he's the owner of. Um, very popular, a staple very here in the city. Very fire. So good. Um, but Ryan passed away last week, and I found out just before the podcast. It was part of the reason why the podcast was so short, but obviously it was worth it being able to get the interview with Coburn. But as soon as that was over, I kind of had to get out of here because we were kind of dealing with the news of that. Um, I wanted to come on here and talk about Ryan because each of us obviously have our experiences with him um, on more of a personal level. But I also think he's worth discussing because of what he's meant locally from more of like a philanthropic standpoint and just him giving back to that of the arts here in Portland, giving back to youth sports here in Portland um, beyond just the kind heart that he had as a person and as a human being. Um, you know, in my case, for some of you that don't know, he also owns Bible Club. If many of you, many of you should be familiar with Bible Club because you've heard me all summer long talk about how I DJ there every Sunday. 
um, you know, because that that was a spot that I frequented. It was one of my residencies this summer. Um, we used to have the low key golf events there as well. Um, but he also owned that establishment too. So somebody that I've been able to get really close with over the years, but outside of just acknowledging him because of our personal relationship with him and the love and the appreciation we have for him, his legacy, and so on and so forth. I think there's an underrated element to what he's meant to the arts here in Portland. And I just think, you know, we, we should talk about that a little bit more. But I'll let y'all chime in and just kind of say y'all peace in general before we sort of get into all of that because it's a big loss. We lost a giant here in the community. Facts, man. Um, I'll start off by saying, um, you know, piggybacking off everything you said, just how how impactful he was so silently. And um, that was the thing. Like, just to get into a little bit of it, over the summer, we had our own, you know, personal relationship as well. And over the summer, he was like, hey, man, he sat me at the table and was like, I see you guys doing the low-key golf thing, and I follow you on Instagram. He like, are you interested in playing in a scramble tournament this summer? And I'm like, yeah. And he proceeds to tell me a little bit more about it. But until we got there, I found out that, he was an alumni of this school, the biggest donor. He sponsored a couple of holes during the tournament, just so giant. And I knew none of this. And we spent a lot of time together over the summer and beyond. And so it was just, you know, that that reminder of not mattering how long you know somebody, but really the impact that you you give on your community and onto the people who are, who are close to you. So yeah. uh, I want to personally say, you know, rest in peace to him because – as Devon said, like, that's a big loss in the community. And if you didn't know him, you knew his restaurant and you knew how good it was and you knew it was a staple. So to be able to become close and, and really spend time with the man beyond, you know, behind everything, it was it was real shocking and still a tough loss to deal with. Yeah, Ryan was really like you you know you talk about all of his impact with working with sports and music and just like the way that he built his businesses and the way that he built his relationships was like so community oriented and i mean like i think a lot of people are like that you know but a lot of people aren't as like representative like when you said oh how he like was silently like impactful like th that perked my ears up because i feel like uh, it, people out here are kind of a little bit more reserved than other places in the country. And mm -hmm. like, I think Portlanders have like, um, like people that are from here or just in city be, uh, you know, all around the area. I think they have like an idea of like, maybe a sense of like, ah, I don't really know where, where my like mark of like where I'm from and who, who we are, where that resonates out to and like where that kind of is because it's such an international city and there's so much sort of, you know, movement between other cities. And then like a lot of that kind of gets lost, but Ryan was just like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's Selwood. So like, that's mm -hmm. his, you know what I mean? And, Selwood. Like, and it's just like, Southeast, it's just huh? that. And yeah. every, and everybody that was around that, that comes, comes around that, that like is part of his thing. It's like, yeah, it's that too. Right. Right. And the city doesn't have a lot of those places anymore where it's like, okay, this is this Portland right here. Yeah. 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 And like, sell what was Ryan's Portland. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. That was his coordinates. His whole section. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sure. so, like, losing that is tough, especially from the musical standpoint, bro. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, there'd be many nights where it's not even, we're just, he just hits us up, right. hits you up, right. really. Yeah. And Fact. just says, yeah. man, can you just yeah. come spin? Yeah. Yeah. No, like, sure. I just want to walk across the street. For, for sure. For sure. Listen to some music, yeah. and everybody would just pull up. Yeah. yeah. And a quick step further, like, following his passing, I saw that he sponsored a ski team at Mount Hood and all of these different mm -hmm. things, right? And we live in a day and age where, although you might have the right intention in doing so, a lot of people do stuff for the gram. Let's, like, let's just be real. Yeah. And that's another important aspect is that we were so close to him and he silently did a bunch of this stuff, which yeah. showed me that it was genuine. It was his heart. You know, yeah. it, was it wasn't a flex. Sure. It wasn't yeah. a, a look, if yeah. you will. It wasn't yeah. any of those because he didn't tell you <laughs> he didn't tell any you. of that. He yeah. didn't post it. I mean, yeah. uh, the East Side Timbers, a, a youth yeah. soccer team here, yeah. um, they posted a tribute to him and 
He PDX Sliders was the anchor restaurant in the Phase Two project of the of the Eastside Timbers and Thorns FC indoor sports and event community center. Mm-hmm. So you know he obviously was giving back to that. Sponsor scholarships. Sponsor scholarships. <laughs> right. uh, Cleveland High saw something. I've seen something since then where Cleveland High School, which is the school he went to, he donated in recent years like fifteen thousand dollars to the Cleveland High School choir. Like it's just. You're just seeing how generous he was and how much that he believed in continuing to keep the arts thriving here. One thing that I'll say, which is crazy unfortunate because, you know, many of you know I'm a writer as well and I do some writing for Street Roots and it's a story that I've kind of been working on that, I mean, I'll just say it now and, you know, and the fact that he's gone, um, he was going to be a source in the story and, Part of the story was going to be about like sound ordinances, because as a DJ, I go to a lot of these venues and there's sound ordinance that make it tough for these restaurants because they get these noise complaints, so on and so forth. And a part of the reason why I was going to have him be a part of that story and talking about that as as an owner of an establishment that that plays live music is because he would always get noise complaints but he knew the laws he didn't fold you know what i'm saying he mm-hmm. didn't turn he didn't tell you to turn the music down because it was bothering the neighbors nah we got the little meter where we can go make sure that as long as it's hitting a certain number of decibels we good we got till 10 p.m for outdoor venue we good like bang that shit like you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah, like for real and, and that was just the he kind of dude stuff. that he was he you know what i'm saying it was like yeah. like he was that kind of dude like i've i've time again oh yeah we got another noise complaint, but not because he was breaking the law, just because there's haters the out there and it, it comes come with, with the it. territory. You know what I'm saying? But it yeah. was like he stood on like, nah, don't turn it down. We got till 10 o'clock. Turn that shit up. Like, you know what I'm saying? You would be more concerned for him because he's the one getting yeah. all the notices <laughs> like, bro, and be like, all right, going. it's 930. <laughs> Let me start turning it down a little bit. Yeah. Nah, turn that shit back up, man. We got till 10 o'clock. Like, yeah. that was just the kind of guy that he was. But those kind of people are are important and significant to the arts at large, even just considering down to COVID, you know, Bible Club being an outdoor venue. Many artists and performers lost a lot of the venues and the places and spaces that they could perform at because everything was shut down. He kept his establishment open because it was an outdoor establishment and, and you were able to operate with different laws with it being an outdoor establishment. And he obviously supported and put money in and artists and musicians pockets to be out there and keep playing during a time period where gigs had become very limited. And so he, he just meant so much. And obviously on a more personal level, you know, we spent a lot of time with him at blazer games. He, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a blazer season ticket holder and we kicked it hard at those blazer games. And so, yeah. Yeah, and, he's gonna and, be uh, greatly missed, man. He's gonna be greatly missed. I, I've shed a lot of tears over it in the last facts, week, you know, facts, obviously, but because facts. I've been able to do that, you know, I'm I'm getting a little bit stronger mm-hmm. by the day, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so uh, I, I'm able to talk about it with more of a smile on my face Me right too. now because, as you mentioned, the impact is so great that if you can't smile at that, then you might need to look in yourself into your inner self and, and right. ask why, right. because that dude was impactful in ways. And we're just telling you the things that we know, which is yeah. very limited in, yeah. compa- in comparison to all of the things that he has done and impacted over the years. Facts, facts, facts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but yeah, he'll be greatly missed, man. And to piggyback off that, just like the somber part of it is just knowing that he looked at us as family. And Facts. that's what I mean by time Facts. doesn't matter because you could throw the word around loosely, fam, whatever. But when you get looked in your eye and you feel it and somebody shows up in more way than once over and over again, you feel that. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, and that's what I mean by the impact is that I, I could say that I've had a relationship with him for a year. And if the impact and the fact of how much of a family I felt like we were and that we got to express to each other. That that was the hard part to accept for real. It's like, man, I just got a new real one, you yeah, know. And, for sure. and as quick as y'all, you know, the, the time came. So rest in heaven to him, man, and much love. And I'm gonna have even now to piggyback off of you again as we're pinging and ponging off of each other. <laughs> I'm gonna have Zeb play a quick clip of Ryan a, a a speech that he had one night outside at Bible Club, and I think 
everything that we've been able to say about Ryan and the words that you're going to hear directly that came from Ryan, you'll be able to make sense of everything that that we were just acknowledging about him. Go ahead, Zeb. I couldn't do without you. And if you ever need anything, you let me know. If I need to get you out of jail, pick you up out of a car wreck, whatever it is, I'm going to take care of you. Thank you for taking care of me. Appreciate you guys. What was that from? That was him. No, what was that? What <laughs> it was? It was just a night at Bible Club wow. outside at Bible Club. Shout out to the homie KP. Wow. Um, KP, one of Ryan's best friends, um, did a lot of like the marketing for or does a lot of like the marketing for Ryan, his businesses and stuff like that. Um, we've been able to kind of grow and become friends, and and we're bonded by Ryan. And he tagged me, and that he found that clip and he posted it and just tagged a lot of us that had real close relationships with Ryan on Instagram on that story. And so um, when he tagged me in that, I told him like, oh man, I, I'm, I got to take this audio and, and put it on the podcast here today because that was him. That was him. To a T. That, <laughs> that was him. That was him. And he meant it. He meant it. He meant it. He, it 10 times out of 10. He mm-hmm. meant it. And that's what I mean, showing up in more ways than one, man. Yeah, yeah. So again, man, Ryan, we love you. Rest in peace. Um, we're here for you. We're here for your family. You know, I, I got your, your daughter. You know what I'm saying? We rocking through and through. I've, I've been able to have conversations with her as well. So we're here with her, supporting her. We're here for your businesses. Um, you know, one, of the, you, bro. one of the more recent conversations, even with that, that I had with him was just about how all because of how all in he was for me and the belief that he had in me and it was genuine genuine excuse me and my belief in him and his establishments were genuine as well like you know one of the last conversations that I had with him within the last month was like man anything you need I'm all in for you like I believe in the vision of your business and and of you and who you are and what you have going on. And he showed that with me as well, with all the gigs that he's given me uh, over time, especially this year, you know, and as you mentioned, it, he'll just call me an hour before a set. Not that that wasn't scheduled. He'll call me at five 30 and be like, what's up? You want to come at seven and come spin just for him and whoever he had around, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, sure, I'm gonna pull up Ryan, you know what I'm saying? And he would take care of me, but he just wanted to vibe, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like we we had a relationship even like that where I was probably the most unscheduled person, you know, at the establishment. But and there the most. But I was playing there the most, <laughs> thanks to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's crazy, man. But again, rest in peace, Ryan. Man, we love you. We got you. And uh, you know, you, you created a great legacy here on this earth, and we're gonna do everything that we could to keep it going while we are here. Um, I miss you, bro. We will miss you greatly, greatly, greatly. We will will miss you. Um, D-Boy, I want to talk to you a little bit. I brought you on because we we both watched. You actually told me on Thanksgiving to watch Tyler Perry's um, new documentary on Amazon Plus. Uh, It's called Maxine's Baby. Maxine was his mother. Um, But it's a new documentary out on Tyler Perry. And... Boy, I just finally watched it two nights ago. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Dig into why it was that you suggested that I should watch it. I, I obviously, you know, dig more into what it is that I saw from watching it just 48 hours ago. But you were like hell bent, like, nah, you got to check this out. Yeah. Um, I think because obviously I know everything that you got going on and how much control and steps that you've taken towards controlling your narrative for the most part. And he epitomized betting on himself, doing it his way and making an impact as for the record books for real. And you don't always get to see that side and that deep into the roadblocks that people really had to go through um, where they really just sharing these ideas. And then the 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 no taking shortcuts when you believe in yourself like certain things got to look a certain way certain things got to be done a certain way and it's like he was he just exemplified all of that within that documentary in a way that was so easy to consume and then it was that extra boost of motivation and it's like as as much as we grind and as many things that we do um on a day-to-day basis it's like 
sometimes you could get caught up and lost in in what you know ultimately it is that you want to do and want to accomplish and what it's going to take to be that. And yeah. again, it was just so many examples of the sacrifice and the the hardships and the battles that he had to overcome and enjoying the process, thinking small, you know, and that's why I thought you needed to see that as well because I remember something in there that he said, a lot of $10, uh, Oprah, I think, or Whoopi Goldberg or something, I said, a lot of $10 make a whole lot of money when it comes yeah. to ticket sales. And that's something that I've preached for a long time and that, I, you know, these steady listeners every week and the ticket sales for these independent shows, man, they add up and they build up to something in his terms, that was superior. Great. Yeah, you yeah, know? So yeah. That's what I felt like you needed to see that for. What yeah. did you think? Um, I just think all the way around, man. I think, uh, you know, for one, just him sticking to his guns and who he was and what it was that he represented and the fact that he had to go through trials and tribulations during that process of trying to get on in his career. You know, he he picked up and he moved from New Orleans where he grew up went to Atlanta, decided, you know, to, to launch this play in Atlanta. Um, you know, it was it was flopping, if you will, and wasn't making him enough money. He ultimately became homeless, um, but he still stuck with, you know, telling true stories from his experience as a black man in black culture. Um, a, a lot of it was traumatic. You know, a lot of his growing up was traumatic, but a lot of it is humorous as well. And I think trauma and humor – in black culture is is something that we don't talk about enough in terms of like how we use humor in a lot of ways to mask our trauma to cope to cope with our trauma in the black community and obviously with his ability to be able to talk about real life experiences and 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 really base a lot of his stories and a lot of his plays if you will um off of black trauma he was able to bring out the humor in it that made it to where so many of us in this community could relate because it's really how we mask our trauma is with humor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For sure. And, and he did such a great job at that to the point where, and he stuck with it because he knew he had the support of, of our own people, of black people. And he showed how powerful that could ultimately become um, with all these successes that, that he's been able to have. And I, I just thought he did a great job of that. Um, even down to once he his play was a smash success, but it was black America's smash success, if you will. And then he finally like pitched to be able to write a movie or turn one of his plays into a movie at Lionsgate. And the head man at Lionsgate is like, who's Tyler Perry? Never, Never heard of this guy, but he's bringing in way too much revenue for me not to know about this guy. And so he starts to ask people around um, you know, within the company, hey, have you heard of Tyler Perry? He's getting a bunch of no's until he finally had a meeting with his diversity committee and all the white people didn't know who Tyler Perry was, but every black person in the diversity committee <laughs> meeting knew. And that's when it clicked for him. Like, all right, yeah, I got to go. I got to go and, and, and connect. I got to yeah. go partner with this guy, essentially, because there's a disconnect that we can bring over in a way that, is not only impactful in terms of the numbers that it's doing, if we're speaking from a business standpoint, but the social impact that it's clearly having that so many of us are disconnected with. And that was kind of how he was able to get his first deal with Lionsgate. Facts. And so it's Facts. just, there was so many things, man, that I loved about it and, and his journey mm -hmm. to be able to get there. And I 1000% think that, you know, it should be a real watch. Um, and again, as you mentioned, D-Boy, I'm somebody that does a bunch of different things. And sometimes it's hard for me to even be able to make sense of all the things Thanks. that I have going on. <laughs> but one thing that I know is that everything that I'm doing now is something that was already embedded in me throughout my life's journey in some form or another. And I think that connects with him because, as I mentioned, a lot of his trauma that has become prosperous for him in his own way, I've been able to see some of the fruits of turning in, not only want to always call it trauma, but just turning in some of the things that I've become attached to throughout life and into a passion and into like business and work, essentially. Facts. Um, I've been able to do that as well. And so, yeah, man, he, yeah. he's the truth. Another quick example, too, which Spliff was there for is like a part that made me think about you is when 
look, let's get to the end point of it. Like, he owns damn near a whole city in Atlanta now, to be yeah, honest. He owns yeah. that much of that whole Tyler Perry studio. A whole naval-based slave crazy. plantation. It, it, like, it's yeah. sick. But he leading up to that, he had different, you know, buildings and things like that. Some were good on the way to his success, and some didn't necessarily fit what he was trying to do, and he was trying to force it. And I feel like... Sometimes we ran into that situation with the little studio we had over there on Rally, where it's like sometimes we we tried to force it. We weren't equipped. We didn't know from day to day if the equipment was going to turn on and work and record us. And it caused a little bit of a roadblock in all of our creation of art until we ended up even coming over here. So I say all that to say he made a point to let you know that, like, do what you can, but it's important to be equipped in the same level that matches your dream or where you're trying to go to. And sometimes doing certain things that are hindering you from your art reaching its full potential is a disadvantage. So it allowed me to realize sometimes you got to step back, not move so fast and, and, and take the necessary steps yeah. to do things right. Don't the cut first, corners. Don't cut corners sometimes. And be real you know? with yourself. <laughs> it's like certain <laughs> corners are meant to be cut and other corners it's like, no, I have to do this the right way for for me to thrive and for my art to reach its full potential. So I thought that was another thing, too, because I've watched you go from your radio show and having a place to record to that studio, you know, bouncing yeah. around until you found somewhere where you could consistently put out gold, and that's what you're doing. For sure, for yep. sure. You got anything on a spliff even though you didn't watch it? <laughs> I mean, look, all I know is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so that's just what I, I mean. I, I take everything fucking dead ass seriously mm -hmm. in terms of like trying to put like my like trying to do everything like I mean, artistically mm -hmm. with like craft and with like some like level of like honor and pride. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. and, I, and I try to just embody that in everything that I do because I do a lot of stuff, too. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I always because I went from doing one thing exclusively mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a point where I was like, this is just, I, I don't, I don't have the mental bandwidth to deal with this anymore. Right. And then now I'm doing all of these other things and it feels a lot better. It really does. But, but you right. know, to that same point, yeah. it's like, you know, you have to, you have to devote yourself to a certain level and be really realistic with yourself right. and say, no, I have to have certain things be <laughs> this way. And I can't. You know, See? fool myself into being like, thank you. You know, okay, I oh, could just bullshit my way yeah. through this. Oh, I real don't quick. need an engineer. You, you can't I mean, like, you yeah. know, I mean, like it's certain things you just can't BS through when you're trying to get somewhere, and you have, and you know, you have the it factor. You know what I mean? And and to that point, also, you're going to fail. Devon knows that he's gonna stumble over a word or two from time to time. Definitely, he, he had to improv in the middle of a play. Like we, you seen that on there too, where it's like he literally he yeah. had somebody not show up playing the main character before and had to improv and, and that's, how go his plan. that's how Medea. That's how Medea came about, and then the greatest yeah. thing came from it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> like sometimes you gotta be real with yourself and with your client or yo, and be like, yo, that wasn't it, but right. we got you. Yeah. And he and he and he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah. It's it's definitely worth the watch. Must see TV. It's definitely check it out. definitely worth the watch. Um, and, and yeah, who he is now? He, he's a mogul. He's a mogul. And so, I love to be able to see stories of moguls because that's the best way that I explain all the things that I do to people. Like sometimes we'll be like, "Well, how do you do this? And why do you do that?" And that and at some at a certain point. You kind of get tired of explaining it, even though it connects for me individually. It doesn't always connect for everyone else. And it's like, man, I'm trying to be a mogul. <laughs> like, yeah. that's kind of my short answer to sometimes get out of And I'm not doing it on the, like, whatever. Like, for all for good reasons, I want to be a mogul. But I want to be a mogul. Yeah. Damn it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so it's like sometimes it's like that's the easiest way for me to explain all it is that I'm doing because I don't have the access to produce it in a way Tyler Perry can't now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So will. it's like, but it, it, it'll it come. Is. It's yeah. coming. It you know what I'm saying? Like a, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's all, coming. Dude, for me, it's a deterrent because I'm like, damn, I don't want to, I don't even really low key. You guys are going to make fun of me, but I don't want to have all that money necessarily. You know what I mean? Because that's just a lot of pressure to be. But, but at the same time, I'm like, I. it's like we talk we, all the time, every day. It's like. Oh, we should do this. Yeah, man. And then we should also do this. Yeah, dude, let's do that. And then we actually go do it. And it's like, damn, this is a lot to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it would be real. It was, would be a lot easier if we just it's had like a million. Yeah, throw, hey, you do it. Yeah. Give, exactly. give other people opportunities. But again, when we do create these self opportunities and they create money, we could give back into it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Putting the money back into it. Everything that we've done has brought the like, money in. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think for I me in this. particular, and, and uh, like a biggest part, the biggest part of my journey in terms of like my connection to it outside of the love for the things that I do is the access to being able to do it. And that's where like I've really connected on, on a different level than just my love for the craft itself is that I get to see and understand like, Oh, when I get into this room, there's not many people that have had this access to said room, the way that I've been able to create access for myself. I don't, I want it to be easier for whoever's coming behind me to be able to have this same access that I was able to have because, you know, I'm trying to show and prove time and again that me having this access works for the greater good of, of all of this entire situation. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so, um, I think that's the mogul. That's the part of being a mogul for me is, being able to do what I love and get paid for what I love to do, but also create access for people beyond my scope of reality, even, even with whatever, all the possessions and the things and the goods and the money or whatever it is that I own. Um, so that, that's a huge thing for me. And I think Tyler Perry has been doing a really good job and has turned a lot of people into stars essentially yeah. based on, you know, uh, just being able to write some phenomenal scripts time and again. Um, lastly, real briefly, Got something else? um, college football playoffs. Ooh. Um, I- I mean, y'all want to talk? Florida State got screwed. That's where I stand. Florida State got screwed. It was undefeated. We ain't got a deep dive if we don't want a deep dive. But undefeated, they're yes. undefeated. The quarterback got hurt, but they're undefeated. It's hard to not be a. I've never seen. I, and like I said, I've been a part of a lot of sports, a lot of sports. I've never seen somebody get left out of anything that meant something when they were undefeated to not have a chance to compete. Yeah, I uh, haven't. Seen let me it. ask you this. And they yeah. got skipped. Let me ask you this. Let's say everybody has one loss. Mm-hmm. Are they? Are are the Knolls a top four team? We, said, we. I don't. I don't know. They not. They don't have a I loss. Guess we'll, you're 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 taking the stand of. We'll never be able to find out. Exactly. Not there. And the reason why we aren't going to be able to find out is messed up because they're not there and they deserve to be there. I just think based it's hard on to what they have done. It. You know, it's hard to explain. You never lost, but you don't belong. No, especially I mean, that, because that sounds weird when you, you say. Know, especially right, because you saying, were, be, you especially know? because you were there. <laughs> it's not like they weren't ranked in the top four prior to the final decision being made, and they continued to win. They were in the top four, and they won all the way through. But because Alabama beat Georgia in a conference title game. Alabama, two teams were able to skip them mm-hmm. and get in, and they got pushed back, so they dropped. Essentially, tough, tough and so the fact that they didn't lose but also dropped, it, it's, it's I know injuries <laughs> and I know perception and all of that matters, but nothing should matter more than what happens inside of those lines ever, ever, ever. And that, and I feel like, yeah, and I feel like that actually hurt them more than it helped them. That they, you know what I'm saying? Well, it didn't hurt more than it helped, them. it hurt them. The fact that yeah, I've never heard of going undefeated right hurting, yeah, they're not helped at all. It hurt them, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I, I just think they got screwed. Like, like there's no other way to put it. Now, with that said, this is the last year that you'll have the four-team system. Next year that you'll have the 12-team system. I ultimately think that no system is perfect. And I think proof of that is is the NCAA men's and women's basketball where you have the field of 64, 68, if you will. Um, And there's always going to be bubble teams. There's always going to be teams that can make a case for themselves to be able to get in. But it's a lot more magnified when you're talking about a top five team in comparison to a top 70 team. Facts. That's the reality of it. But with football, it's virtually impossible to be able to have top 70 or whatever because you can only play one game a week in football. You're not allowed to play as many games in a condensed amount of time as you are in basketball to be able to speed up the process of getting down to who the top team is. So I think even with 12 teams, you know, 
while it may not be as bad as this with the top five team like Florida State, it's still going to be pretty bad because we're still talking about like top 13, <laughs> which still means really, really good teams and not just no bubble teams. That's yeah. We didn't hear about y'all all season long. It's just that y'all think y'all should have got in over another team that we hadn't heard well, about all season long. You got to win it long. all. Ooh. I re- man. Bama. I, I hate to say Bama, but Bama's going to win it all. That's what I got. <laughs> it's, just, it's inevitable. <laughs> it's Bama. I don't know, I even, I'm not even a big college Bama. football guy, but I know you Alabama hate to win. Say Alabama's that, though, right now. And, 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 you know, yeah, it's yeah, going to happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna well, happen. I'm like Drewski. I don't give a piss about that. <laughs> I want Washington <laughs> to do it. Time. With the last year, the Pac-12, I think it'll be dope to see a Pac-12 team win it, and I really have become a fan of Washington and what they've They're been able sick. to do this Does year. Does Phoenix win it? Win the Heisman? He has to, right? Uh, he, he, he should. Yeah, probably. I think he should. I, I just sure. like watching them play football. Yeah, yeah they're good. they're a fun team to sure, watch. Yeah. They they are a fun team to watch. Yeah. Aside from you know some of the rivalry, especially being that we're here on the duck side on, on this side of the earth, but um, they're not too far away in Seattle. But yeah, I still think that uh, yeah, I like I would love to see the Pac-12 go out with that kind of a bang because that's what I grew up on was the Pac-12. I'm yeah. a West Coast kid. It's all I've ever known. You know, from Pac-10 to Pac-12, but. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see the conference go out with a bang. Um, that's all I got. Surat. On that note, we are gonna leave this the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go oh, win. Yeah.